Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Andrew Gillis. It's Tuesday. It's time to talk recruiting. And I teased this on the Monday pod that we were going to be doing this pod pretty soon in the next week or so. Then I changed my mind. We're just going to do it today because I'll stay plays Michigan State on Saturday, but we're going to focus on a team in Michigan that everybody actually cares about, and that's the Wolverines. And we're going to be talking was, about – I thought it was Central Michigan for a second. Is it not? Well, no. Is it not the Chippewas? I was going to say Eastern Michigan, but you know, it counts too. <laughs> we, can, we, can go, we can go Chippewas, man. Everybody loves Chippewas. But we're Fire talking up. Ohio State versus Michigan recruiting. And I think it's going to be a very interesting and also layered discussion because on paper right now, Ohio State has the number two class in the country. Michigan has the number 15 class in the country. If I asked you what you think Ohio State's recruiting standard should be, how would you describe what you should what's the expectation for Ohio State in terms of just recruiting and in the rankings, how they should be recruiting every single position? Just what do you think the standard at Ohio State should be? That's a good I don't think we've talked about that. That's a good question. Um I would say the standard the standard is the standard. Um the standard should be like a you should be recruiting at a top three, top four top five level every year if you're Ohio State, right? Like that should be the goal because um, – and like we, we have mentioned this before. <sighs> Recruiting rankings can get a little funky sometimes. Um, you know, they they can get a little – they can go a little haywire because like right now, uh, Georgia has the number one class in the country and in the 2024 class, I'm saying. Like Georgia's got the number one class, blah, blah, blah. They're, everything looks really great. But Georgia also has 27 commits, and Ohio State has 23 in the 2023 class. So that's that's part of the reason why Georgia's number one in the country. And you look at the average player rating, Georgia's at 93.54 on 247, and Ohio State's at 93.53. So 0.01 off. So Ohio State's class is basically at the level of Georgia. With that said, I pulled up Georgia's recruiting class because I figured we were going to talk something about this. Georgia's just let me let me see if you sense a theme here. When you look at the composite rankings and you sort them by position, here are Georgia's current commits and what position they play. Corner, quarterback, linebacker, defensive line, linebacker, tight end, running back, corner, wide receiver, Offensive tackle, defensive line, linebacker, quarterback, defensive line, running back. That gets you through the top 150. Like, the, I understand Ohio State recruits has recruited their cornerback class remarkably well over these last couple of years. We've discussed that. But Georgia does this every year. Right, like Georgia recruits. Right, right, at, right, right, right. But like, we're, we're compared. Like, Georgia's great and all that, but like. Ohio State's not guaranteed to play Georgia every single year. I want to but, put this in the in the concept of a Michigan conversation. I understand, but the Georgia, I think, bar should be the standard for Ohio State because that means that you are recruiting at a level that is best in the country, right? Like, I, I don't think it's unfair to say that Ohio State should be recruiting at that level or should aspire to recruit at that level because, again, we've talked about this. You're going to miss on some kids. You're not going to have. You know, you're not going to have 
every kid be hit. You're not going to win every battle between whether it's Michigan or whether it's USC or whether it's Texas or whoever. You're not going to win every battle. But what Ohio State standard should be is that because those are what gets you to that number one ranking, you know, those type of players. And I think when it comes to the Michigan conversation, the standard should be upping your operation. And we're going to talk, I know a lot of people are probably dying to talk about this. The offensive line recruiting, um, that has got to be, the offensive line recruiting and development has has got to improve. The Because you can kind of see the writing on the wall, much like you guys were talking about, you saw the writing on the wall for this team a couple of years ago. It's like, hey, they don't have an offensive line that is going there. Like there's going to be a cliff and the line's going to fall off at some point. You can, you start to worry about that if you're Ohio state, like for next year, you know, you have Luke Montgomery and you feel really good about him and you don't know what Tegra Shibola and, you know, you feel, you know, okay about him kind of moving forward as a guy you can move around a little bit, but like you don't have these recruits that Michigan brings in right? Like on the offensive line where you just develop and then all of a sudden two or three years later, they are war machines on the offensive line. Like they won the Joe Moore award the last two years. Like that is, that is a level that I think Ohio state can aspire to on their offensive line recruiting, improving oh. the offensive line recruiting. And then the defensive recruiting, like you got two five stars on the defensive line. You got two top, what top 50, top 60 corners. Like the defensive recruiting is, is pretty solid. Um, but the offensive line, I think recruiting, I think is, is probably the area that the standard should be bumped up. I don't think Ohio state's offensive line recruiting is worse than Michigan's. If that's what you're insinuating. In fact, I, one of these schools just had the number one, the top tackle taken off the board six months ago and the other one didn't. So I don't, I don't, I, I understand sure. that, but Michigan's highest rated offensive lineman is one eighteen. Mm-hmm. And that's Andrew Sprague out of Kansas City, yep. Missouri. Blake Fisher is 176. And you got to start scrolling here. You know, Luke Hamilton, who Ohio State didn't offer, 389. Ben Robach, 475, who also didn't offer. Uh, Jake, I'm not going to try to pronounce his, his last name, but 481. I'm just listening. Off, like, <laughs> it's not because I don't want to be disrespectful to the kid if I don't know how to pronounce yeah. his name. So Ian Moore is 135. Yep. Deontay Armstrong is 416. Devontae Armstrong is 454. And obviously they lost out on, on Mark Names, so you can't include him in that conversation anymore. But I don't think that's – like Michigan's not recruiting the offensive line better than Ohio State. Now, if you want to have a development conversation, I think that's true. They probably are developing some of those lower-rated guys to be really good football players to where they're to reach their, their maximum line position correct to be Joe Moore. Well, yeah, but we're not talking about development right now. We're just talking about accumulation of talent. And if we're talking about accumulation of talent in 2024, I think it's a wash between those two in 2023. I mean, Luke Montgomery was the highest rated guy of anyone. And in fact, Michigan didn't have anybody in the top 100 in their 2023 class in 2022. Unless I'm mistaken, I don't think they had a top 100 guy. Paris Johnson's the the last five-star, I believe, that went to either one of these schools. Now, I understand he's from Ohio. But when we're just talking about an accumulation of talent, I don't think Michigan is doing a better job of recruiting the offensive line than Ohio well, State's doing. So let me ask you a question then. So, and, and I'm not even asking this question rhetorically. I don't know the answer to this question. I, I just want to hear your thoughts on this. Is 
part of this a recruiting op- like how much of how much would you say the issues along Ohio State's offensive line compared to Michigan's offensive line right now are recruiting versus development because you could sit like we're going to talk about this as we get up to the Michigan week and and on later this pod like Ohio State has two offensive line commitments from St. Edwards High School in um or St. Edwards in in Lakewood up in Cleveland and Michigan has a commit there and you mentioned the kids that Ohio State di- or that Ohio State didn't offer like how much of this is an identifying problem for Ohio State do you think like it's recruiting an identification of talent versus development like what percentage would you say uh it's more development than it is anything else okay. and even I, then it's not yeah. I don't think it's like head over heels. I think Michigan had a better offensive line last year, but I don't think it was like one's a 10 and one was a two. It was more like one was like a nine and the other one was like a seven and a half. And even then, I think the upside of Ohio State's offensive line, like I just, I mean, Paris Johnson was a top 10 draft pick. Of course. Juwan Jones is starting and quite frankly, probably should have been drafted higher than he was, but I, I don't think he handled the draft process the right way but that's not that's neither here nor there luke luke whipler got drafted there's there were three draft picks on ohio state's offensive line last year and donovan jackson's probably going to get drafted as a day two pick as well so i don't think the problem is a lack of identifying talent they identified dewan jones who was a as raw as a prospect can can be the off even this year's offensive line i mean donovan jackson's a five-star recruit carson hensman's a starter Josh Fryer is starting to play a little bit better. And Josh Simmons, even though that's a transfer, he's starting to play a little bit better as well. I don't think the problem is identifying talent, and I don't think it's a accumulating talent when you're talking about Michigan and Ohio State. I do think that, however, where I will agree with you is if Ohio State has an offensive lineman in the 500s and Michigan has an offensive lineman in the 500s, do I think there's a better chance of Michigan developing that guy to be better than maybe his ranking says? Sure, probably, but I don't – that's a different conversation than we want to have here when we're just talking about accumulating talent in the first place. Yeah, I, I was curious. You know, I, I like I said, I wasn't really going into that with like a, I know what I'm going to say. I was I was curious as to what you thought because like you said, like when when it comes to Michigan kind of developing some of these guys that are ranked, you know, hypothetically 500 or whatever, you know, the the pure talent and the pure recruiting rankings, you look at Michigan being a great developer of talent along the offensive line and better at it than Ohio State is. Um, I, I But I was curious, like, how much of that can be identification, right? Like, how much of that during the recruiting process is Michigan sees something in kids that Ohio State is either missing or doesn't take seriously enough or whatever. Like how much of that operation? I, I was curious what your thoughts were on that. Yeah. And also, I don't, this is, they're not running the same offensive scheme. So that's not always easy to answer. It's like the way that Ohio State's using his offensive lineman might not be the same that Michigan is losing his offensive lineman. When I, when I think of a miss, I think of, I don't see five guys in the 500 as misses, especially at Ohio State, because you probably shouldn't be yeah. taking that kid anyway. You should be yeah. shooting for higher standards than just having the 500 guys. Like Ian right. Moore should be your floor more often. Now, I understand, like the Armstrong Twins, they probably have some upside there, but also they're in your backyard. So you, you're more susceptible to take some of these lower-rated guys who are in your backyard who you've seen time and time again. So I get that. But I don't. 
consider if a f- guy in the 500s doesn't turn out to be a starter for you, I don't think that's a miss. That's a guy who was yeah, expect- oh, yeah. who was not expected to be a starter for you in the first place. I would have considered Paris Johnson a miss if he didn't turn out to be what he was supposed to be. I would have considered Luke Whipler a miss if he didn't turn out to what he was supposed to be. Harry Miller, that was off the field while he didn't end up getting to be what he was supposed to be. But he was a starter in year two. Donovan Jackson was a starter in year two. So I would consider those guys misses if they're not on a track that says, oh, they're a top 100 recruit. They should at least be in the position to start in year two and probably be one of the better offensive linemen in the country by year three. But back to the original question, because we're straying away from the point. You said you think Ohio State should routinely be in the conversation for top three, top five recruiting classes annually. If I asked you what you think the expectation for Michigan would be, how is that different or the same? Or is it different or the same? I think it is different. Um, I think, you know, we, we can talk about classes with, you know, different guys and needing different things. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's uh, personally, I think it's fairly simple. I mean, you look at the, like the history of this recruiting in 2024, Michigan's ranked 15th in the country. They have 17, four stars and eight, three stars. And you go to 2023 and they're ranked 17 and you go to 2022 and they're ranked nine and you go to 2021 and they're ranked, let's see here, 13. Like you, the the success, like I think success begets success in a lot of other areas, right? Like you, you would see like if a team kind of goes nuclear and goes supernova, like Michigan frankly has these last two years. Now, again, there's some stuff going on about on the field, um, but Michigan has objectively, I mean, just looking at it purely from what their record is and what they've done, they had great 2021 seasons and great 2022 seasons. And yet those are the rankings for Michigan recruiting. So I think Michigan should be recruiting. I think their goal should be 10 to 12. That feels, you know, like a fair goal. You know, if you can sneak into the top 10, that would be great. But it's hard for recruit it. Like it's, I mean, straying away a little bit from the Ohio State Michigan conversation, you got Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Texas, LSU, USC. Oregon, Clemson, Texas A&M, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Miami. Like you've got, I'm sure I forgot some schools there, but you've got a lot of other really good programs that you're competing with. And that's a hard get for Michigan. And I think there is a little bit of, I'm trying to think of the way it is, like Ohio State pulling in those receivers that they do helps. Um, obviously that helps their recruiting rankings. That's kind of helped them kind of i mean when you when you have three you know, top 70 re- recruits or whatever it is uh that obviously buoys you a little bit but michigan i think michigan's goal should be you know 10 to 12 ish give or take you know that should be the goal every year because that puts you in a conversation where you can say we have a top 10 ish uh, let's say just that you know we have about the 10th best roster per talent in college football and that's where you start to get into the conversation of development and, you know, identifying talent and, you know, all those kind of different things that coaching and all those kind of different things that you can talk about after once those kids get on campus. But when it comes to purely recruiting, I just don't think Michigan's ceiling is as high as Ohio State's. Like, I, I think that that's pretty clear. I don't think that they're 
I, I mean, I like what would have to change at this point? Like Michigan has made the college football playoff back to back seasons. Like what would have to change for Michigan to get into the same level that Ohio State is? I don't know. Like you have to win maybe a national championship. Like is that is that the goal? Like is that the bar to say this is what Michigan has to do to start to get to Ohio State's recruiting level? I, I don't know the answer to that question because we've seen them make the college football playoff. And we've talked about this on the pod, off the pod, everywhere in between. Like kids do not kids or I should say do not I shouldn't, you know, use a affirmative for that. Kids generally do not commit or not commit to a school because they lost a team lost one game. Right. Like if you if you lose in the college football, like when Michigan lost to Georgia badly in the college football playoff, there were not I would I would say generally kids looking at that Georgia Michigan game going god I can't go to Michigan now look at what happened you know there were like uh, the same example for Ohio State when Ohio State lost to Georgia like oh man Ohio State lost to Georgia like you know I can't go to Ohio State now like kids when Ohio State lost to Michigan in 2021 and 2022 there were kids that were not sitting there going like well I was going to Ohio State but they lost a game that's not the way this works so I think you losing a, you made the college football playoff like that's something you can sell that's something you can market and their recruiting rankings are what they are so i think 10 to 12 kind of has to be the goal and and kind of creeping into the top 10 because i just don't know what else other than winning a natty can do for your ceiling okay let's take a break there and we'll come back we'll we'll look at some more players i really just, i want to look at ohio state and michigan's quarterback commits air nolan and jaden davis and really just break down what ohio state and michigan are getting in those commits and whether they fit their systems perfectly because eventually those guys are going to be the future of this rivalry at least right now at least right now they're going to be the future of this rivalry we'll see what happens especially with michigan going forward but we'll get into those guys plus much more after the break here on buckeye talk and we're back here on buckeye talk Stephen means andrew gillis talking ohio state michigan recruiting and just breaking down their classes and looking at the differences in how two teams build college football playoff rosters one place they are similar, Andrew, there's a lot of differences, obviously. Ohio State's really good at wide receiver recruiting. Michigan maybe isn't as good at getting highly rated guys all over the place, but there's more of a developmental factor into how they go about building their roster. But quarterback, both of these teams go get big-time guys. Obviously, right now, they both have five stars starting with Kyle McCord at Ohio State, J.J. McCarthy at Michigan, T.J. Stroud was a top 100 recruit, uh, Justin Fields was a five-star recruit. The guys who are potentially after Kyle McCord are going to be top 100 recruits or five stars with Devin Brown and you know potentially Tavian St. Clair. Lincoln Keenholz is not so much, but they're really high on him as well. He's also a guy who grew up in the Dakotas, so that probably explains why he wasn't a top 100 recruit because quarterbacks in Dakotas typically aren't playing against the best competition. But in this 2024 class, Andrew, Michigan has Jaden Davis, Number 78 player, number seven quarterback. He was a five-star at one point. He is not no longer that, but he has been at some points. Air Dolan for Ohio State, the number 29 player, the number four quarterback. He has really risen up the rankings here over the last nine months. Before I get your impressions on them, just to give people a backstory on both of these guys, because there is some connection here. Jaden Davis from North Carolina was the first person who became the potential candidate to be Ohio State's 2024 quarterback. I think it was two or three years ago. He camped, and he impressed, and he walked away with an offer, and then he came back later that summer for a barbecue they had in late July when there was like an open period for kids to come on campus. 
And he was kind of first. I remember talking to him at that time. And Justin Fields is one of the big reasons for why he wanted to come to Ohio State, which is, as we talked about with Tavian St. Clair, that's crazy that Justin Fields is now the linchpin for Ohio State quarterbacks when I would think it would be Braxton Miller, Troy Smith, and whatnot. But also, these kids are 10 years younger than me now, so it is what it is. But as time went on, Dylan Rayola started to rise up the ranks a little bit. and I wouldn't say things cooled on Jaden Davis in Ohio State. It was more just... Dylan Rayola was ready to commit. Jaden Davis didn't seem ready to commit. And so Ohio State went with Jaden Davis. And, and, excuse me, went with Dylan, Dylan Rayola, who then turned into the number one player in the country, the top quarterback in the country. And then six months after Dylan Rayola committed, he decommitted, which is interesting because I'm pretty sure it was like two days after Jeremiah Smith committed to Ohio State. So there was mm-hmm. a point during this cycle when Ohio State had the top two players in the country, Jeremiah Smith and Dylan Rayola. Dylan Rayola has since committed to Georgia and seems pretty firm in that commitment. Jaden Davis, they they met with Jaden Davis. They went to go visit him, Ryan Day and Corey Dennis did, back in like January of this year, just to see where the temperature was, see if there was any connection whatsoever. Not so much. It seemed like both sides were willing to go their separate ways, and that's when Aaron Nolan – really came into the picture. They had been talking with Aaron Nolan, but he came into the picture really when Dylan Rayola decommitted, earned an offer in April, committed maybe two or three weeks later, and has since turned into a five-star recruit while Jaden Davis is now committed to Michigan. Andrew, when you look at – let's start with with Aaron Nolan since that's we cover Ohio State. When you look at Aaron Nolan as a talent, what do you like? What maybe gives you a bit of concern, and how does he fit into a room where potentially Kyle McCord could be back as a second-year starter next year, potentially Devin Brown could be back, potentially Lincoln Keenholz would be back as well. Just give me your overall impressions of Aaron Nolan. Oh, man. Um, I really like Aaron Nolan. Um, you know, I watched him on that ESPN game earlier this year. I think he played one or two. Um, you know, I watched, I watched those games. I watched his highlight tapes. You see what you can, you know, obviously he's in Georgia and uh, we live in Ohio. We live in Columbus, so it's a little difficult to see him live. Um, so everything you see is over TV or over highlight tapes or whatever. But uh, my God. Well, the first thing I really like is he's a lefty. So shout out lefty quarterbacks everywhere. Lefties unite. Um, so I love that. But the, the I mean, he's got. I did not know you were left handed until right now. As you would say, you never ask. You never true. asked. It's I'm left-handed. Monday, November 6th. Stephen Means learns that Andrew Gillis is left-handed. Uh, I'm just a left-handed person living in a right-handed world. Uh, Aaron Oland um, is another left-handed person living in a right-handed world, but he's doing it much better than I am uh, because he is remarkably good at throwing the football. Uh, he's obviously the 29th ranked player in the country. You know, he had a ton of just offers coming out of high school. The thing that impresses me the most about Air is that he's big and he holds a command of the pocket and not just the pocket, but the field, like like the line of scrimmage well. You know, we saw this when he played in that game. There was a crazy game. I think it was like the first weekend of college football this year. It was a crazy game where he would just make these plays where he would escape out of the pocket. Like he just had a good command of when to bail when to make a throw, when not to, great throwing on the run. There, I think that he kind of fits more. I think what we're going to see actually with Justin Fields and CJ Stroud and Aaron Noland, like the, some of the guys that have come through here, I think we're going to look at Kyle McCord as a little bit of the outlier 
of these couple of guys just in play style because I think Nolan can move a little bit. And Nolan, I like that about his game. And we'll talk about Tavian St. Clair in a minute, a minute I'm assuming. But um, St. Clair can move as well. So Nolan, you know, he's got – I mean, you just look at the way that he throws the ball, um, quick release. He's a track athlete. Like this is a guy who's remarkably athletic and just – he. It, it, it's hard to describe to an audio audience, but it's just kind of a flick of the wrist. And the ball goes 50 yards, right? Like this isn't, he has to give it the old heave ho and really lean back and really launch into it. Like it's not like Chad Pennington arm. Like this guy is really just letting it launch with his wrist. So the arm strength is is outstanding. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm struggling to think of what I don't like because the quality of competition is really good. He plays in Georgia like this isn't, you know, I I think that that would be a concern if he was if we're talking about Air Nolan from uh, with no disrespect to Cheyenne, Wyoming. If we're talking about Air Nolan from Cheyenne, Wyoming, I'd be like, hey, what is what is Air Like, what is the quality of competition here? Like what is how many recruit like how many Division one football players has he played? How many Big Ten players has he played? How many Big Ten players that are going to go for teams that are competing for national champions or championships has he played? Like that would be a concern, and you don't have that. So you like the way that he throws the ball. He's he's got a good he's got good size. Um, he needs to add a little bit of weight. Actually, I would say I think he's you know just under two hundred pounds. Looks a little skinny when he plays, but again, he's in high school. He's seventeen. Like this is a kid that is going to show up and. If he's anything like me, he'll look at the all-you-can-eat dining plan and go, "Oh God!" and that'll be a major problem for him. But he, like, he's gonna get in the college weight room. He's gonna get college strength and conditioning. He's gonna get everything like that. And the air, the arm talent is just there. But it's more than just the arm talent. It's what he does with his legs to supplement that arm talent that really makes me impressed and really makes me excited for what Ohio State's quarterback room could look like. So, I hope that was a good enough thing to get people excited about the future when Aaron Nolan gets here because I. I think that this kid could be really, really special for Ohio State. So let's flip it and let's talk Jaden Davis. As I mentioned, Jaden Davis, number 78 player in the country, number seven quarterback in the country out of North Carolina. Just your impressions of him. Yeah, you know, it's it's a little similar. He's a smaller build than Aaron Noland. He's a little bit shorter, um, so he doesn't have that kind of stand tall in the pocket, deliver throws ability, I would say, that Aaron Noland has, or at least the the ceiling of that. Um, he's a little bit bigger, so you can't like in terms of like weight, you know, that I think that that does matter a little bit. Um, Aaron Nolan and him are about the same size in terms of what they weigh and Aaron Nolan's a little bit taller. Um, so he's a little bit, a little bit more compact, I think would be a good way to say that. Um, but you know, this kid can run the ball really well. I think that when you're, you know, when you are that size, you have to play the game a little bit differently. You know, when you're not six, four. And, you know, 220, you have to play the game a little bit differently. Uh, you know, Jaden Davis is, I mean, he's six foot, 200 pounds. You know, this is a kid who he can't sit back and drop back like Josh Allen or, um, you know, like some of these other quarterbacks in, you know, you just you can think of off the top of your head. Because what it, when, when I say the phrase prototypical quarterback, what do you think? Big, strong arm, six four, six five, stands in the pocket can throw it out of the stadium like that's kind of the mentality that you think and that's kind of the mindset that you think Jaden Davis is more of what is becoming uh you know 
the, the prototypical quarterback, a guy that can move a little bit. He can get around the pocket well. Um, you know, I think that that matters too. Where you like, especially when you're talking about what you can give a Michigan offense that already runs the ball really effectively with a good offensive line, like we were talking about with good running backs, like giving you that extra man to account for, I think would be impressive because it's not. I like he can run, but the from what I have seen, because I only I, you know I watch his huddle tapes again. He lives in North Carolina, and I, like I said earlier, we live in Columbus, so we don't really see. I, I've never seen him in person, but the escapability in the pocket I think is impressive, and that's probably what I would say those two guys have in common is the way that they can escape the pocket, the way that they can move on the run and throw on the run, and and that's what I like about Jaden Davis's game, and I think again he's. If if Kyle McCord is kind of breaking the norm of the last few years, I think Jaden Davis might break the norm of kind of what we've seen from Michigan quarterbacks over these last couple of years. So who's getting the better quarterback? For what the, they do, for, obviously for how they use their quarterback. So Ohio State, Aaron Nola might throw, throw 25 to 35 passes a game playing in Ohio State's offense, obviously with the way these they recruit the receivers and also just their, their play style. J.J. McCarthy right now, also a five-star recruit. They don't throw it as much there because obviously they focus more on the run. So within the scheme of knowing how Michigan runs its offense and also knowing how Ohio State runs its offense, who is the better quarterback in terms of being suited for the offense or getting ready to go try to run? I think Aaron Nolan. Um, I like I like Aaron Nolan's ability to deliver the ball. Um, I don't care if you're throwing to me and you, or if you're throwing to Jeremiah Smith and Carnell Tate. Like this is a this is a guy that can get the ball out. He gets the ball out quick. Gets the ball out effectively. Um, I think I, I understand the sentiment that any good offense, any good defense, any good coach at any level. If you're listening to this and you're a youth football coach, you know what I'm talking about. Or if you're listening to this and you're a college football coach, you know what I'm talking about. Like you design your offense and your scheme and your plays to fit your players. And I think Aaron Noland is one of those guys where especially like you do this with everybody, but with Aaron Noland, you really have to do this because Aaron Noland can change the way that you do things. And I think that what he does you know, just with how we can move around the pocket, we saw we all saw the highlight tape. I'm assuming of him just making that great broken tackle against. Um, uh, they was I forget who they were playing, but it was in that first game on ESPN. He just made that great play. He can move about the pocket. He can throw it a mile. He can throw it five yards and and be accurate with it. Like, and I think that there's a difference. And it's like being far-sighted and nearsighted. Some guys could, you know, throw it in a bucket 25 yards away, and some guys couldn't hit the broadside of a barn if it was staring him in the face. And he can do both. Uh, and I really like the way that he throws the ball, the release that he has. I'm not saying, and, and I understand that this sounds very Ohio State fanboy and very Ohio State centric and very Ohio State whatever, but I think the rankings do back this up that Aaron Noland is the better player, that Aaron Noland is kind of the higher ceiling player. He's a five star quarterback. Jaden Davis is good. Now, I want Ohio State fans to understand that. Like, Michigan has a good quarterback commit, too. This is not Ohio State's just destroying Michigan in the same way that they're kind of doing that in the receiver rankings. Like, Jaden Davis is 78th overall in the country. Like, that's a really good quarterback. That's a quarterback that many, 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 many programs in this country would be happy to have. And Jaden Davis is really good. I just think Aaron Nolan has that different level, that different gear that Jaden Davis doesn't have, and that that is what makes Aaron Nolan special. So let's wrap up with this. When you look at Ohio State's class, 
And we'll do a, a further deep dive in Ohio State's class here in the next coming weeks as we get closer to the signing day at the end of de- December. But when you look at Ohio State's class and you look at Michigan's class, just off the bat, who is an under-the-radar guy for Ohio State that intrigues you? And then also for Michigan, who is a guy where you think that guy might be a threat for Ohio State sooner than later? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I'll start with Ohio State. I'm going to say... See, I, I, I don't know which running back to pick, but I'm going to say that Jordan Lyle, I think, might be the running back that people should just keep an eye out for. Because we have talked about this on the recruiting pod, like, and, and I think kind of with the Mayan Williams stuff going on, like what what does the running back room look like? And I think that there's a realistic scenario where the room loses Travion Henderson, you lose Mayan Williams. You lose Trip Cherinum, and then where are you at? Dallin Hayden, Evan Pryor, there you one two, and then you got a gap, and then you got some questions. And I think that one of those freshman running backs coming in. So I'll say Lyle because he's the more underrated target. You know, he's the more or he's the more lower ranked target, the lower ranked target, lower ranked commit. I think that adding him that could be in it. I mean, I, I want to say this for Peoples too. Like, there's going to be some spots available next year for a running back and i think running back when it comes to <laughs> no, i'm not gonna make this a dallin hayden redshirt question but like running back is a position where you feel okay about burning through some guys early and just kind of keep turning that keep turning that wheel and keep burning them because they're gonna go and i would tell them to go and i would tell them to get to the nfl as quickly as possible and I think that there's going to be some some openings there. We've seen Ohio State running backs have success as freshmen before. Obviously, J.K. Dobbins was the most notable example of that. But like running backs can play as freshmen. You know, it's not like a quarterback where it's like, whoa, something's either gone really wrong or really right. Like this isn't like a Trevor Lawrence situation where everybody can look and say, wow, man, this is crazy. Like he's just that good. Like no, like this run. Like it's not. It doesn't have to be that. Like running freshman running backs can see the field. And it's not, you know, off the wall crazy. And and I think that there should be some kind of notice taken of how these running backs do, because when they get to campus, they're not only going to be, it's not one of those things where they're going to be playing for fifth on the depth chart, sixth on the depth chart, where, you know, you're playing for next year, you're playing for a year down the line. No, you're, you could be playing for snaps in 2024. So I'm going to say Lyle because he's more underrated and under, you know, reported on, I guess you would say of the, of the running back recruits, but both of those running back recruits, Ohio State fans should start to get to know them because those guys might play and, and play significant reps. Michigan, you know, Michigan's one thing real quick on, on one thing yeah, go ahead. on Jordan Lyle before you get into the Michigan team. Number 147 player, number 13 running back out of St. Thomas Aquinas in Florida. Listen, we've been down this road before. Ohio State gets a Florida commit very, very early, and now it's a can they hold in there long enough to get him to sign in and get him to sign. That didn't happen a year ago for Tony Alford when Mark Fletcher ended up flipping to Miami. Obviously, there's been some, some buzz that teams like Miami are still trying to flip Jordan Lyle. It's just – I, I don't disagree with you, Andrew. I think there's some some really high upside there. And I know some people in the Ohio State program who are very, very excited about the upside they're getting with Jordan Lyle. I remember the day James Peoples committed and I asked somebody in the program, okay, who's who would you like to be the next guy? 
and they ran down the list, but the first name they said was Jordan Lyle before they said anything else. So they're really high on Jordan Lyle. They just got to hold on to him through signing day, which has been a theme of the Ohio State program is getting for the kids who commit early and then can you get them to signing day? And a lot of times that answer has been no. So Jordan Lyle is a name to keep an eye on when he gets, if he gets to campus, but also before he gets to campus. That's a guy I would be continuing to watch over the next month. Because, you know, there's some things buzzing there. Okay, go ahead, Andrew, with the Michigan side of things. Just someone that you think could be a threat sooner than later in Michigan's recruiting class. So this is going to be cliche, and this is going to be really easy to say, but I think it has to be Jordan Marshall, the number one player in their class, 68th overall. He's a running back. It's going to sting a little bit harder for some Ohio State Cincinnatians um, to (laughs) to have that guy playing for the Maize and Blue. Um, you know, that would be, uh, that would be pretty difficult to, to stomach and to watch, but it's a little bit of the similar situation. Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum, they're going to go and they're not going to be part of it. They're not going to be a part of a a Michigan next year. They're not going to like, this is going to be their last Ohio state Michigan game. And those guys, when they go, they are leaving. Allegedly. We don't know for sure. You would assume we're just leaving or not. You would assume, but there would be. I would just generally, I would tell if you're a running back that's going to get drafted in the first four rounds, I would tell you to get up and get out of school because the NFL will burn through you very quickly. Um, But they're both NFL backs and they're going to leave a significant gap in that backfield, right? Like they're, I don't think anybody's going to dispute that. Those guys are really, really talented. And then you've got this guy coming in. He's a low compact, low to the ground runner. He's a top 70 recruit. He plays really good competition. And obviously, if you're from Ohio, you know that Moeller is a really good program. And you know that um, you know that Cincinnati plays good high school football. And that's a good high school football area. And it, not only is he that highly rated with you know athleticism and all of those things, he, he's also really productive. I mean, go look at some of his weekly box scores. He's really good. Um, so I, I look at this as like, a guy that man this this player could really see the this could see this guy could see some part time in 2024 and i think you know you could be in a situation where in 2025 ohio state fans are saying didn't we just have to deal with this didn't we just have to deal with a really good running back in michigan and now we have to deal with another one and not only that he's from ohio uh i i I look at that guy, Jordan Marshall, as a guy that really can start to sting Ohio State moving forward because, again, it, it goes back to our earlier conversation. What does Michigan do? They run the ball, and Jordan Marshall can tote the rock. So I'm going to say him. Jordan Marshall, number 68 player, number five, running back out of Cincinnati, Ohio, Archbishop Moeller High School. That was a big deal when he committed to Michigan. You know, you lost a kid from Ohio, and it's like, oh, is Michigan finally breaking down the dam there in Ohio? No, because then they went and got James Peoples, number 86 player, number seven running back out of Texas, and Jordan Lyle, as I mentioned, number 147 player, number 13 running back, which, I mean, you take this with a grain of salt, but James Peoples was number one on their board. So that, like, I, so I understand like, it was a big deal that they lost Jordan Marshall, but they got the number one guy on their board and another guy who was top five on their board. So don't, I think if you're, Worried that Tony Alford lost a top 70 running back in his backyard. I don't think they were that worried about it within the program. Just seeing how this has played out here. So I'll wrap up this Ohio State-Michigan pod. We'll probably come back and do something similar to this with Michigan 
at some point as well. Because it, it is an interesting thing. We're just running short on time today and can't do as deep as a dive as we wanted to do on this pod. As you're listening to this, we're all back at the Woody talking with Ryan Day and Jim Knowles as they prepare to play the other Michigan team, Michigan State, on Saturday at 7.30 where they'd be, they're debuting some new gray jerseys. It's, I'm still not sure what my opinion of those jerseys are, and uh, we'll save our thoughts for that for the preview pod later this week. I, there are some days I wake up and I think they're really nice, and there, there's other days where it's like, eh, they're okay. But I guess we can get into that later on this week as well. So for Andrew Gillis, I'm Stephen Means. Get the text 614-350-3315, two-week free trial, 399 after that. And that was Buckeye Talk.